0: Got the music, got the lyrics, baby. We were in a band, a really shit band. And
1: now we talk to people about the first bands, all the bad kids, and other tragic things that oh. only ever happened was being in a band.
0: Hey everyone, this is Finn here. I'm here with Jack. Welcome back to
2: another episode of We Were In A Band. Jack, who have we got on the show this week, man? So today we've got Dan Ash. Now Dan Ash, some listeners might know from a band called The Lost Boys, but he now currently releases music under the name of Teenage Waitress. He had his debut album come out last year on Colorama Records. It got rave reviews from clash magazine they gave it an eight out of ten he's even received airplay from steve Lamack and with the lost boys his previous musical life he supported the likes of the buzzcocks and the zombies and they even supported paul Weller at hammersmith apollo uh, but dan is joining us today to talk about all the things before that and maybe all the things in between all that cool stuff so shall we see what he had to say finn
0: let's get into it man we were in a band. not sure why i called i guess I really just wanted to talk to you. dan how the Hello. hell are you dan
1: i'm well thank you how are you
0: not bad not doing too bad at all thanks so much for joining us today man we really appreciate no, thank your time you for having me um dan so really, tell you you're you're a, a serial band man you've been in lots of bands over the years right i
1: have yeah and and um sorry i don't know what to say
2: <laughs> yeah I've, I've been in lots of bands <laughs> well, what was the first what was the very first band so obviously your teenage waitress now yeah before was the lost boys yep what was the very first band or was it always the lost boys so the very very first band well
1: actually the very first band i was in none of us played the instruments i think because i, I was obsessed with music from a really young age right and um I think i would pro- probably would have been about year four or something like that and i think i was probably having violin lessons but nothing that you know nothing that could work its way into it about <laughs> no a band. I, I, yeah yeah and um i think we were out doing art in the uh i think the teacher just chucked us all out for an hour <laughs> just with a bit of paper go and draw something all right and so we were all we were all sat on the grass drawing and this um there was a plumber in the school at the time and his van Parked up by the school, and we could all see his van. It was, it said Dennis Edwards Plumbing. And me and four other lads just started singing Dennis Edwards Van, <laughs> Dennis Edwards Van. And like, and then we were like, Yeah, we should start a band. That's, that's, that's a hit, of that. that's an earworm. And, and so we, that was the first song, Dennis uh, Edwards uh, Van. Dennis that.
2: First
1: <laughs> <one>. <laughs> yeah, we wrote him his own jingle, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was before any instruments. And I think, I think we were called something. You know, year four esque, like the lavatories or something like that. Um, good. Good. I like, that uh, but I don't think my violin came into it. Although, you know, it could have, it could have done the job in Dennis Edwards' van. I think really, a violin solo might have been what it needed. To, I think you know, it could have. It. And actually, not to jump ahead, yeah. but that was your first multi
0: platinum single, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Got the gold disc behind me yeah.
0: right. I can see that, they're lavish For the, for the listeners, it's, it's big It's a massive record, bigger than any 12-inch yeah. You've he, ever seen And he's here today <laughs> Dennis.
3: Dennis Edwards
1: and after all, you're my <laughs> Welcome Dennis so that, so that was the very first one And then the first one where we could play instruments Is jumping forward a few years was a band called Monkey Tail cool. and I would have been in like year eight I think it was me my mate Pete and our mate Chris it was two guitars no bass because you know we were already breaking those laws (laughs) pushing the boundaries and uh, me and Pete we just we were at the stage where we could play like two finger power chords and you know when you're at that stage it's like the world's the world's your oyster really world domination isn't it is the next step so it was yeah two of us me and Pete and uh, our mate Chris on drums and I remember made us a Freewebs website. Do you remember Freewebs? Yes. Yes.
0: Yes, Freewebs. Yeah. The ultimate in free website technology. Shout out, Freewebs.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got to have that band bio, haven't you? I mean, how yes. else is anyone else going to know my favourite flavour of yoghurt? You've, you've got to get yeah. it. Was there
2: a first gig?
1: Yeah, my very first gig. We uh, So we played our, the, the gym in our school. You know, <laughs> <and> we, <laughs> what <laughs> What a gig. But... Oh no, I I don't know if you call it a gym actually. I it's more like a sports hall. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, was it was it like were there people lifting weights during the <laughs> gig or was it more of a sports center just, vibe? We just played Eye of the Tiger five times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was it was it was like a big giant sports hall. And um yeah, I think we would have been year eight, year nine. In my head, right, this was this was live aid. And it was me, Pete And Chris and uh, you know the classic, the classic monkey tail lineup, right? And there was no PA. I think my vocals were going into like another guitar amp. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Imagine that sounded great. With with distortion, probably, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we played played five songs. We played (laughs) "Paranoid" by Black Sabbath. We played "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yeah. We played "Lithium" because we're just working our way through the Nirvana songbook. We played "Pretty Pretty Fly for a White Guy." Classic. And we played. oh puddle of mud she hates me which obviously we, oh. we, we edited
0: oh yeah did, yeah. did you the school, say that the, the
1: school friendly
2: version that we... <laughs> what did yeah what did you swap the word for
1: oh I don't know it's probably probably just something really probably Flippin'. like really or something like that like, I,
0: I... <laughs> she really hates me yeah I
1: think... <laughs> yeah we're going to play that song that swears but we're going to change the swear box so it's... <laughs> Radiohead did it so yeah yeah it's oh, true man. I was really hoping you'd say something
2: like she fudging hates me or something.
0: It's shit is that.
2: That's great. So though. that was so that was the first Monkey Tail gig. What um, how long was Monkey Tail about for? Not long. I think what what happened was
1: <laughs> Although to be fair, like that, when I think back to that, there's so many moments in my life that I'm in bed and that you know that are in constant rotation of the of what I shouldn't have said and things I shouldn't have done. Yeah. That gig's never in there. I think that gig went all right. I certainly like come away from gigs feeling a lot worse than I did from the old <laughs> Monkey Tail. What was the uh, crowd, what was the crowd like at that show? It was it was all right. I mean, we that's the thing we had we had a captive audience because it was lunchtime and and uh, I think it was a. a if, like we any i think we charged like a couple of quid and it was like a charity thing nice and so we managed to get a load of people to come and i think i think it yeah i, I seem to i've sort of had fond memories from it oh. that's not a bad first show then like hitting up the school yeah. gym
0: place you know feeling confident with your mates people are paying on the door to get in a show <laughs> which is impressive
1: <laughs> absolutely but like we so me and pete from that band as well as doing that. I think this took over from Monkey Tail. We we started in the summer holidays around that time to just make our own comedy albums. Right. Um, okay. because Pete had Cubase on his computer, which Love was that this program. recording stuff. So- yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden that was like a game changer because all I had was like a cassette recorder and we used to just do stuff on that. So all yeah. of a sudden we could like multi-track and build on top of each other and we borrowed mics, and drums and bits of percussion and stuff. And there was two summers, I think summer of year 9 and year 10 where we just made Comedy albums, and I—I I mean, I, would, so I was rubbish at sport and anything outdoors, so I never really wanted to go out anyway. It was like our playground, yeah. And um, we'd just spend the day trying to make each other laugh and, and writing all these silly songs.
0: That's awesome, and I guess that ties into the you sent us ahead of this uh, one of the one of the tracks, uh, yeah. That if you don't mind, I might play a little snippet of to see if it will jog your memory and bring some of those good days back. Go but, for it. I'll give it a little spin. Let's see how we go. This is great, by the way. Oh, thank you my banana i know that there's it's someone who'd pay millions <laughs> just to see touch
3: or stroke my banana this time next year i'll be in the bahamas but just for now
2: i'll have to stay in milton, milton king's, king's. M- <laughs> 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 well you well, you were based in milton king's were you
1: no, no, we were just trying <laughs> to think of a of a funny town to put in yeah. there. I, I
0: mean, mean it like, we, it
1: <laughs> so we wrote, um, yeah, we wrote two full albums in like year nine and ten. One one was a parody album of The Wall, which we called The Ball, and, <laughs> and it was. I'll, t- I'll tell you, there was a there was a Metallica parody on there called Some Kind of Milkman. And it was about this really <laughs> aggressive milkman, like, blasting Megadeth and his float, throwing bottles at the <laughs> stuff. And, like, I was just thinking about it now. Like, it's, it's really, like, of its time, because, like, there's, there's a reference in it to, like... So the chorus, like, the chorus was, like, tell me what do you want, what do you really, really want, milk. And then, like, a call and response thing, right? That's so and, weird. Like, one, of, one, of the, one of them was, like, tell me what you... Tell me what you want and it was it was like the answer was a Gary Rhodes cookbook and like <laughs> just just because of the time. And that was probably yeah. on, the, on the bookshelf. And we we're like, oh, that's really
2: funny. Get him in there. Yeah, he was so, number one at the time. Yeah. I love that. that. That properly dates it. Listening to that banana song, it is, one, the production is actually really good. Hearing that on headphones, is great low end. It is quality. And also, well, what, it, is, it is really funny as well. It is actually funny. Well, we, we didn't make the backing track for that one. Most of them we did, because most of it was like guitar based,
1: but like both albums, had a hip hop song on and that was like, we, we, we got like a, a royalty free, I think it's royalty free, like down, download Yeah, and, um, and just wrapped over the top of it because we, we couldn't like make beats or anything at that point. That wasn't sort of in our in our wheelhouse. How long
0: ago did you make that? How, how many years ago was that when, when you laid that fresh oh, track? do you know
1: what? I really don't know. So I was in year, I would have been in year, how old are you when you're in year nine? Fourteen. 14. Yeah, 13,
2: 14.
1: So yeah we're going back 15 16 years. It holds um, up man. It holds up. <laughs>
2: we're holding out for the year 20th
1: anniversary picture this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a big get together.
2: <laughs> did you ever release these albums or was it, were they just person just for personal use?
1: No really it was just trying to make each other laugh and um we we oh, that's quite funny actually. We 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 did hand some out to mates, right? And we um I'd make like covers and stuff on on paint or whatever and um but um thing about me, I when I, I I remember doing them, printing them out. But when when I type, I I sort of rush type. I don't really think about what I'm typing. So like all my messages to and think, have typos and, and incorrect spelling and stuff. Um, but we had a song on one of our albums called Public Service Announcement because we copy an M&M. And I remember I printed it out without realising it actually said Pubic Service Announcement (laughs) and handed it out to all our friends. In in a way, it was even funnier.
3: That's
0: fucking brilliant. It is, yeah. (laughs)
1: Like... That was the best joke on the album, and it wasn't even supposed to be a
0: joke. <laughs> Unintentional comedy. Oh, God, that's brilliant. It's, so after the roar and success of pubic service announcement, what was, to, what was to be the next step for you in your in your musical career?
1: So, the, yeah, I was in a band called Audio 32 then, and that was... Um, there was less bananas in our songs at that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, that was that that was at an age where that we started doing other gigs like youth huts and youth clubs and stuff, and and that was really fun because we were just we were just like playing to our mates and just like uh, sort of learning our way around it all really, but yeah. by just getting all your mates together on a Friday night, there was always be like it was it'd be like a high high youth hut was where we used to do them, and whoever was headlining had to bring a drum kit, and if we were That's lucky, the rules. We, that is yeah, the rules that, to to is this the, day. Yeah. If we were lucky, we got a PA and uh i'm <laughs> quite young we'd always buy all these like multi bags of haribo and stuff and like there'd be like a little tuck shop at the back and we'd all be off our tits on fantastic by the end of the night <laughs> arms around each other i love you you know
2: <laughs> how did the lost boys begin
1: i was a bit older then i was probably about 17 18 and um yeah i mean i i would i i was still learning but i knew that i wanted to write and i knew that um i wanted to sing and i wanted to get better at it so that that was really what i was doing with the lost boys was just sort of like essentially what we were doing with those youth hut gigs but just as a, you know a couple of years older and just practicing and playing to mates and stuff and and trying to write songs and stuff and mm. um yeah no it was it was really good fun we 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 obviously when you get when you get a bit older we were down in southampton so there's all, all of a sudden we're playing places like the joiners and stuff which yeah, we we never we used to dream of when we were at school yeah, and stuff
0: that's like that. cool man and mm. so so you guys obviously started playing more and more around the Southampton area. but did you start to kind of branch out too and you were were you heading up to London were you going up north
1: yeah yeah we did we did quite a lot in, in London and, and and up north um but um we we always found that what's this thing we, we had our, our bus was at, uh a vicar's old bus that we used to use to go up north and that it didn't go above fun. i think it didn't go above 50 miles an hour so uh, we'd be on the motorway In the chugging along light. at 50 yeah and um the five-hour journeys sometimes to to play to nobody were a bit like Ugh. but like
2: where's what's the furthest north the the lost boys went because obviously you're southampton so you're right at the bottom of the country. More yeah. or less, you know, where was the furthest north that the Lost Boys went? This is where we hear it's um, like Oxford.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did um, done the Cavern a couple of times, Liverpool. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. What a show. And what was your... So,
0: talking about all of the first gigs, it seems like you had quite a positive experience, which is wicked, but there must have been some... what what's... <laughs> must have been some weird moments. We want to know what, yeah, what was yeah. the sort of... Not necessarily the worst, but the weirdest or the strangest Obscure. happening.
1: So I got I got a few from the Lost Boys actually. So um, we played a gig in Totten probably about six or seven years ago. You guys familiar with Totten? Is it is, is it just, somewhere
0: uh, near oh. Southampton?
1: It's yeah. It's just just sort of it's near Southampton. way, yeah. And it was an it was. <laughs> Wait, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, do an,
0: I'll do an insert for when we oh. edit this. Oh, Totten, yeah, love
1: uh, it. <laughs> I was going to say it was a cyst on the side of Southampton. But sound... <laughs> I thought better. re reword that. <laughs> um, Can you use that. So we played a gig there and it was an all-day festival in the back of a pub um, with a stage that was like set up on a truck. Yeah. And we had to get there at like 10am, wait around all day for our slot at 9pm. Um, <laughs> which is which is no bother, but there's only it's so good. many cheese and onion crisps you can eat in there. <laughs> um, so we, we we watched the other bands and they were really good. So it's not a reflection on them, but there was just a lot of time in limbo. And that limbo time is, is where it does drag. And... Um, I've, I've got, I think there were wasps because we were all outside. There was some sort of like wasp's nest there. <laughs> we were all a bit fed up, right? And the, by the time nine o'clock came around, it was really dark outside while we were playing. And I asked the promoter if he could put the lights on and his response was, what lights? So <laughs> we, we played in a lorry, right? In the dark, in a pub garden with no lighting. No light. Like, fucking great. No lights. And at this point, I'd start to be a little braver, so I was doing a tiny bit of lead guitar, or like you know, a little, you know, four bars of the solo or whatever. Yeah. And I just remember looking down and seeing nothing, like not like <laughs> no no dots to help me out, and I was completely on my like completely in the dark. And it was one of those gigs. I'm sure you've had them where like as soon as you're on, you just can't wait to get off, and. it's... <laughs> <Yes>. it, it, <laughs> You just can't wait to get off and have another bag of cheese and onion crisps.
0: Yeah,
2: you just <laughs> pack the car up and go yeah. yeah. We're well, lucky so you didn't have to drive too far for that one, then.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. Yeah, We all got about seven wasp stings, though, <laughs> between us. It was like was it jaws. a good turnout? Uh, I don't think it was worth... Oh, there was loads of wasps there. <laughs> no, Not so much people, though, you know. We also played at a cafe in Eastleigh, right, that was set up and um, that wasn't set up at all for bands. So we, we booked a gig with them and they confirmed it. They were expecting a band. And we got there and they were like, oh, you got a drum kit? Like, yeah, we got a drum kit. Like, Have you got a PA? No. So, right, we had to, like, makeshift. I think I was singing through my... Through a microphone that was going through the speakers that they play the radio through in the cafe, right? So (laughs) (laughs) the tiny little speaker in the corner
2: is where my voice was coming out of, and
1: they weren't toilets
2: as well. Actually, (laughs) I've been to places where they've done that, and you go into the toilet and you can just hear a lead vocal coming out of the speaker in the toilet. But sorry, continue.
1: No, no. I mean, i it was really weird. I think they they just weren't expecting a full band, and with just wires crossed. I mean, I think they probably just wanted like a like an alternative to to Sam FM or whatever that day. (laughs) Weren't expecting the Lost Boys. We were in a band.
0: So that was uh, part one of our interview with old Dan Ash. They're very excited to have him in chatting to us and some excellent stories already. Uh, He's a very, very nice man uh, with some hilarious past. Uh, So, yeah, great to hear from him. But we're going to go into our middle section now, Jack.
2: Um, and we've got a guest from from across the world, right? Live and direct from Shanghai. Well, not live because we recorded this in in March, but you know, it's direct from Shanghai. We'll be speaking <laughs> with the one and only Amy Fitzdoyley, who is a London-born singer, songwriter, producer, very, really uh, talented. Yeah, amazing musician. And uh, we caught up with her to talk about all sorts of things, from touring around Europe and America to first gigs and first demos. So it's yeah, it's a great chat. We
0: were in a band. Amy Fitzdoily welcome to the show all the way from Shanghai. Yes,
4: thank you, <laughs> thank you.
2: Well, I guess we'll get straight into it then, Amy. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll go right from the beginning. What was the first gig that you ever did?
4: First gig. <sighs> Somewhere in London, um, I think around Notting Hill Gate, there was this little pub and I decided to take one of my uni mates um, and just go and sing something. Um, and it was just so nerve-wracking and I was like, why am I doing this? This is really scary. <laughs> and coming stage after, I was like, actually, wouldn't mind doing that again.
2: What was what was the song? What did you form? It? Was it a few songs and was it something you wrote or did you do covers?
4: It was a few songs. I think, like, I think that... that um, gig might have been a bit of a disaster if I remember like I'd, <laughs> I'd asked to come along like for my because I studied music so I'd asked someone from the course to come with me to this gig and I didn't play any in- instruments at the time so this guy played the, the guitar and I was like this is going to be great got there and I think he was like I'm not coming
0: like oh <laughs> no like
4: Okay, this is my first thing and uh I, I've arrived and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do it anyway. So I think I just I think I just I either grabbed someone who was there and said just play this thing. Um or I like did a bit of an a cappella kind of um freestyle thing. Yeah. Was a bit of a while back, but yeah.
2: <laughs> who was do you, do you want a name and shame this person who you know who bailed on? What was their name?
4: <laughs> I couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly <laughs> Yeah. No,
2: no, that's fine. Yeah, they will rename anonymous, but maybe off air you'll tell us <laughs> for sure. So from there, obviously, you said you were quite nervous, but you know you had a buzz after that. Did you start to gig more?
4: Yeah, I did. The thing that pushed me probably to start gigging was uh, was being on on a music course. I felt like the right thing to do to keep. To keep doing
0: it. Was it always a solo thing, or did you set up a band of sorts that that you performed with in the early days, or was it just sort of whoever was around to kind of session and jump in?
4: Uh, a bit of all of that, really. But in, in the beginning, I was never really, never really performing alone. Yeah. Um, and that was to feel like I had the skills. I was like, well, I don't play anything. I'm just a singer, and like I need other people to kind of always be with me. I've been in a bunch of different bands, a bunch of different collectives, shall we say. (laughs) And uh, and then later on, on, I kind of found my feet in terms of my own musicality and, like, style. And then I was like, oh, I could do this on my own, and that's a bit more self-sufficient, and you don't have to rely on other people who might let you down. I
2: guess having that, obviously, it's not ideal having someone bail on you for your first gig, but to have that happen early on, they gave you the way this, like, oh, okay, people people will bail so you know that's just sort of you know it took me a few years to learn that not to rely on people but you know sort of learn the hard way a few years down the line
4: it's hard isn't it like, <laughs> I, I i experienced that when I was thinking, but still still carried on relying on people and then at one day i was like how many times is this actually gonna happen <laughs> long can be a bit of a long lesson
2: to learn So gigging around London, there's venues everywhere. Even venues that aren't venues can be venues, you know, whether it's someone's front room in Shepherd's Bush or, you know, a brewery in Bermondsey. Are there any venues that stick out for you in particular?
4: Um, There's there's always people kind of stretching the truth a little bit about the venue. Um...
2: (laughs) It's a classic. Hello to anybody listening. Sorry to cut in. We've been recording all these interviews remotely, so there are often glitches in the audio. So just to set a bit of context, Amy was explaining to us that she'd been offered a gig at a hotel, and this is the rest of that story.
4: I remember, like, this this is it. Like, this is good stuff. Like, this is (laughs) probably my best gigs. And I got there, and it was like, you're going to play outside the hotel. You'll do an hour, and then... We'll see how you're getting on. And I was I was quite, you know, quite green at the time. Kind of like, OK, let's go. I'm ready. Um, but it wasn't good. It
2: wasn't and did they ever, so when they said, oh, well, let's see how it's going, was it like, we'll do an hour outside and then an hour inside? Or did it never I, progress to that?
4: They, they didn't want me inside. They were like, you're going to, I think it was kind of like a, you'll bring people into the hotel. Oh, can- I see.
0: But that doesn't no. make any sense. Like you're going to stand outside, people are going to go, "Oh, I like that music." Let me go inside, away from it. <laughs> like, how the fuck does that
4: work? Mad, yeah.
2: Have you met many people in your time that have sort of promised certain things and never quite delivered?
4: Oh yeah, I mean, there's a there's been a bunch of different situations like that. Um, I remember kind of booking some session musicians who hadn't come through recommendations. They had just kind of. Popped up out of the blue, and I was desperate, and it was last minute or whatever. And I like, okay, come on, let's go. And it was like, you know, just showing up, like showing up an hour and a half late. And I'm like, well, they're not coming. And then they show up just as I'm, like, I'm about to leave. And I'm like, what is, what's, what are the, you doing?
0: what's like, the point in showing up that late?
4: Um, and this was like a, a guitarist. So this is me learning the very long lesson <laughs> over and over, um, sort of like a guitarist showing up and then being like, you know, it was a, like a party, and this, this, like yeah, I'm gonna just dig into the party food, and I'm like, well, you're, that's not actually why we're here. Like, <laughs> we're, you just set up your gear, and we can just, you know, get going, and then we can probably go home. Aw- awkward, awkward more than anything.
2: Yeah, definitely. He's just sort of stuffing his face, and you're like, mate, you know, <laughs> we've got five songs to do here. Just a bit, just
4: a bit weird, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: It's a bit weird. So you sent oh. us, uh, Amy, this is is this is this the first demo that you ever recorded, or is this a select demo uh, that you wanted us to to kind of hear?
4: Um it's kind of like a select demo. Yeah. Yeah, I was at uni at the time when I wrote this and um was still finding out what music I wanted to make and how I wanted to sing and all these things. So this is like a the first step in a kind of like Okay, I'm gonna make music, and this is what I'm. I might see This is the kind of style I might have.
0: Um, so, yes yeah. yeah. Awesome. So it's called it's called Through the Rain. And we're gonna give it yeah. a little spin here. We'll give give listeners a little go from the from the start and see what they think. <laughs>
4: giggling a little bit through that because i think all my all my bad stories are about music like other musicians who have just been like crazy not crazy um who have just been not good um because because yeah that that brought back some memories it was kind of like in response to that i was making some obscure stuff um when i was studying and i remember my lectures being like we don't we, we don't really we, we don't really understand what your angle is are you a beyonce or are you a Jamelia like you know what is this stuff you're making and I was like oh gosh like this is awkward I'm gonna might fail I might fail my course because they don't get it um so I was like okay let's just let's just write a love song um and uh, I remember I remember writing this in response to like just like, my uni lectures, not understanding what I was doing. And then, and then I ended up really liking the song and being like, "That like, maybe, like, maybe this song is all right. Um, and shout out to the backing vocalist on this, on this song, because she's actually doing great things. Her name is Georgia, uh, Georgia Copeland. And she came to, like, it's a really random story, but she came to Sweden with me and I, I got booked for like a Swedish gig, um, not a swedish gig but a gig in sweden really and um she came with me um (laughs) and it was fun but like i I remember that being a bit of an odd story as well because i got locked into the venue because they were like well this is summertime in sweden and there's no one here to watch your gig and so we've like we've paid money um to, to rent out the venue and you owe us money and we're not gonna let you go and I was like, what? And what then she, the and like, that this woman pulled out a contract and she was like, you know, you've signed this. And I was like, I haven't signed anything with you. Um, and then there was another musician there who was very helpful and spoke Swedish for me. And then we like kind of ran away.
0: Wait, but, um, so you were held prisoner in in a <laughs> Swedish music venue for, for some time?
4: Yeah, just, just really strange stuff has happened to me. And now... Yeah, I'm just—it's it's all coming out now, isn't it? Gosh, you're gonna know—you're gonna know all the weird stuff.
2: But I guess that sort of ties on quite nicely. Actually, is what I was going to ask you next, So obviously, just talk to them about being sort of locked in a Swedish venue in in the in the summer. Um, you know, you've played all over. I mean, how many different countries have you have you done gigs in, Amy?
4: That is a good question. Um... So I kind of I kind of put myself on a bit of a a bit of a Brexit tour and um, when we when we heard about it, I was like, well, the gates are closing and I've gotta, gotta get out there. So I decided to go to like a place called Breda, um, and that's in the Netherlands. Um and then I went to like Amsterdam, went to places in Germany. Um it was it was good. I mean it, it wasn't a huge tour, but I did end up going to a few different cities and it was quite nice. Uh to connect with people yeah gigging gigging outside of of london has been fun gigging in london has been fun too and there's like a fair few a fair few different places i've been to now which is nice it
2: feels nice and the, and the like you got the timing just right as well because mm. we were talking with uh, someone on saturday who had done a few sort of european tours and and he was saying now obviously that's going to be a lot harder to do obviously regardless of the Of the pandemic situation, but once we get out of that mess, there's going to be this whole other mess of of that. So I'm really glad to hear that you sort of managed to do all that all all at the right time.
0: And and was your you you're now in Shanghai, and have you been able to gig? Then does that mean you've been able to get out and and explore the Shanghai night's music scene?
4: Oh, I have. I've um I've done yeah I've I've done a weird gig over here too. So there's no escaping (laughs) weird gigs. Don't matter where you are in the world, you can do a weird gig done I've done I've done a gig on a boat um, and uh, I've done an, I've done an open mic night which was great because it was it was nice to see like who who's here yeah. and like what the musicianship is like here and just what the vibe is like what the if there's a kind of musical culture that's like linked to like chinese traditional sounds or if it's more like commercial so it's quite nice to just be in and amongst that that energy and just, yeah, sang a few covers. Nice. And met a few people. Um, it's very international here. So it just, it, it reminds me of London in some ways, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's quite friendly. And we connect on, like, on the level of, like, there's a lot of... I won't go too much into detail about this because I don't want to get into trouble. Um, but there's a lot of like, you know, paperwork and bureaucracy, and especially if you're not from here, things are tricky. Yeah. Um and I think I think if you're not from here, you do bond on that level of oh, how difficult is this thing? Yeah, really
3: difficult.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Your very first gig in Shanghai, how did that like you were saying, it's obviously just quite similar to London. Did it just feel like you were in a in a London venue, or is there anything different about the venues? You know, have they got swimming pools in the middle of them, or <laughs> anything like that, anything crazy?
4: Well, there are there are some decadent some decadent places here. I feel like I feel like it's it's weird because it's it's very international, but it's not as diverse as London, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yeah, it's very it's it's very different. It's just very different. Um, I think the standard in London—I'm used to quite a high standard of just everyone being great um, in London. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's a bit of a sweeping statement, but I think the standard, just generally, I think the standard is different here. But the people are—the people are what make it. The people are great.
2: All in all, that's been a great move for you.
4: Yeah, yeah, it has been.
2: I guess leading up to Shanghai and these sort of various gigs that you've you've done all you know all over. Because I think if you've played in America as well, haven't you did a few shows in New York? Any sort of standout bizarre memories from from the, from the Big Apple?
4: I mean, so many. I mean, I mean, New York in in general has just got this weird, amazing but weird energy where anything can go, anything can happen. It just feels like really just unstable is not the right word but um <laughs> yeah it feels like everybody's very friendly but yeah just just um I, I don't even know how to describe New York it reminds me of London as well but it's just on another level I can remember doing I remember doing a gig there on like I think it might have been on the day that I arrived which was brave like on the day that I arrived I had a gig and I was knackered and I remember uh I remember doing this gig and after the gig, this guy came up to me and he was like, you're really good. Like if you stick around, I'm also performing and like, I'm going to be here with my band. And I was like, cool, that sounds, that sounds amazing. I'll stick around. Um, And then he started playing and I was like, he's really good. And uh, it turns out that he's like, he was like the, the, the trumpeter for Nas. And I was like, what are the chances that I'm doing this small gig here in this little, in this like, really small place um that a few people have told me about and I was like okay cool I'll go there um and then I just meet this guy who's actually like full-on professional musician um doing his thing very humble and I felt I felt like when I was there the city's full of those kind of people who are just kind of like oh hi nice (laughs) to meet you I'm doing this thing and I'm also a multinational blah blah blah
2: yeah I I thought
4: (laughs) tell you that you'll find out
0: from my instagram I, I thought you were going to say it was something like oh hey stick around and my band's performing and it turns out to be like bono <laughs> it's like a fucking u2 show happening in the basement club <laughs> that
4: would be that would also be interesting
0: <laughs> pretty weird pretty weird That's let's the, be honest that would be strange yeah. <laughs> and what um how
2: many gigs how many gigs did you do in new
0: york was it two or three oh
4: um, yeah, I was. It was like two or three in New York, and then I went over to Boston, um, and I've got family in Boston, so um, I just I stayed with family, and then did did a gig, and they came to the gig, which was cute. And then I think even before then, I was I was doing a bit of work in America, and uh, I was in like sand, I was in Santa Barbara, nice. uh, Santa Barbara uh, kind of area in LA. So I was kind of like moving around. I've got I've got friends. It's quite nice that I've got friends all over the world that I can be like, hey, I'm coming to your country. Can I stay?
3: <laughs>
4: um, so it kind of worked out that I was kind of like jumping from place to place, like so like LA, Santa Barbara, New York, Boston, and then finally back to the UK. Are
2: there any venues that Spring mind where you're like, this is, yeah, this is unlike any place I've played before?
4: Yes. I mean, I mean, in in America, like people have amazing homes. Like just, I just, I just feel like, oh, what is this house? Like, do I belong here? And then, you know, you <laughs> just got to like be like, yes, you do belong here. This is where you're meant to be right now. But I remember that, you know, there was this, there was this lady who makes garden sculptures. And I think she's quite well known and her sculptures are just, gorgeous her house was incredible on top of a mountain beautiful view and i had to play a gig in her house and her house just looks like looked like nothing i've ever seen before um and there was a few of us there and i might i i think i've got some videos of her house that, and i felt i felt like felt like i had to sneakily take them because she might be like what are you doing
0: um and what what I, was I, this like a garden like a benefit for like what, what was the re- what was the reason for you playing at this this sculpture house
4: well it was a so far sounds actually it was a so far sounds in Santa okay.
3: Barbara yeah um
4: and that's the, I, that's kind of like the beauty of of so far sounds which is that you you don't know where you're playing or, yeah. or like yeah what it might be like to play there um it's awesome so, yeah, I didn't, I had no idea where I was going. And then I arrived at this place and I was like, oh, just taken aback. And, uh, yeah, the lady was really nice, really. I think she was from the UK, actually, but um ended up, ended up being there and making a living from her sculptures. So I was like, not bad, not bad. But that was a standout, a standout place for sure.
2: And are there any venues that were sort of the opposite of that? So stand, standing out, but for, you know, the very, for the wrong reasons. So, you know, we've all, we've all been there.
4: Oh, so many. Oh my goodness. So many.
2: We don't have to name shame. Shane. It's fine.
4: Yeah. You know, when you're just like, why, why do I do what I do? You know, you do, 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 do. it makes you think the opposite. Like <laughs> I don't belong here, but in the other way, you know, yeah. Just don't be long i think i think what i've done in here in my brain is like you know with the bad ones i kind of blocked them out a bit because i'm of like don't even, don't even try to remember that it'll make you cry
2: yeah. <laughs> Marina, we don't want anyone to cry on this podcast you know this is not what No, we need. <laughs> no cr-
0: cry with laughter please cry with laughter please don't cry, cry with, with tears, tears.
4: It make me
0: remember that stuff. <laughs> um, so what about studio experiences as well? you you obviously we we heard your track earlier, and I did think something that I, I wanted to mention earlier when you said you were worried about failing your music course because. The, the people that were running the course wouldn't get it. That surprises me so much because like music in its in its purest form is like your own expression of something, a feeling, whatever. How can you fail that? It seems totally bizarre that because you couldn't fit into a Beyonce or, or you know, whatever, that, that, that you're just going to fail the course. That's absolutely nuts. Did that sort of have an effect on you? And did you feel like you kind of changed yourself a little bit or were you just sort of steadfast in plowing through with your own sort of brand of what you do
4: um well i mean education is expensive and i was like (sighs) like how much have i paid per year to be here have i have i paid to like you know have some have some lecturers tell me that they don't get they don't get what i'm doing and then like and then potentially fail the course that's probably not how it works but my 18 year old self or like 17 year old self was like I'm not going to, this is the end, you know, <laughs> like, it's not going to work out. So um, I remember kind of trying to fit, trying to make a brief that, that people would get. And then I remember leaving that course and feeling, I'm feeling very much like I was starting again from scratch. And And finally finally making the music i wanted to make
0: when when you kind of went forward then after recording um your, your first few bits have you had any sort of notable studio experiences going forward have you worked with sort of producers that were trying to get glockenspiel in there in a really odd way or like how, how, how did that go going in the studio
4: oh i mean studio always feels very like very fit, very much like um yeah, like a sacred space. It needs to be like you know, can't just be all like be anyone in there with you. You need to feel comfortable. Well, I do, I need to feel safe in that space. And I, I know that that like, oh there's been there's been many different experiences. Like I'm in the live room and they're behind the glass, just kind of like not either either it's someone who's like a sound engineer who's recording me and they're just not very interested in what I'm doing. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but I've I've paid you, and like we are working on my music, so you kind of need to be interested and like just feeling a little bit like disconnected from the whole thing, or like they're bringing their friends in, and I'm like, no, I don't want to <laughs> sing anymore because like who are these people that you're bringing in? like I thought it was just going to be just you know us recording my music and that's it. So just with like odd stuff, odd stuff like that happening in terms of in terms of like the worst thing that's happened in the studio is probably me doing a take like a vocal take and feeling like it was so good (laughs) and then the person's saying I didn't get that um are you ready and I'm like are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Are, are, are you actually kidding me? You didn't, like, you, you weren't recording. Oh, my God. Um, so that's probably the worst thing, which maybe that isn't too bad, but it's still very annoying. <laughs> but also and
2: you the, and pay that person to record your song and they haven't pressed record. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: What are, they, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're just, just hanging out, really, just hanging out.
0: Where we are now how where are you at in your kind of career obviously you've you've made this move to shanghai you're doing yes. some shows doing some open mics you you released a, a track over on spotify on valentine's day this yes. year if, if i'm correct yeah. i don't know if there's yeah. any relation to valentine's day whether it just happens to be a thing what's kind of coming up for you what are you working on what's next
4: it's a good question i mean obviously moving to a brand new city well being new in a city and uh sort of not having the connections and not speaking the language, it can take some time to kind of find your footing. Um, And I feel like that's what I've been going through. Um, But like I said, I have been connecting with lots of different people, but it's just recognising also it's it's not what I'm used to. The standards not what I'm used to. And that sounds like I'm being really snobbish, actually, but I'm not. I'm just trying to find people who, like, connect with what I do in, in the way that I do it. Um, and to avoid the kind of like oh, I don't get what you're doing kind of vibe For sure. again, like reliving that I mean, what's what's on the cards? I would say some videos I've, I haven't really explored music videos that much um, since I started making music and actually I'd like to do that.
0: So if you need music video ideas, me and Jack can get together and anything sort of based in car parks um, <laughs> British canals, stuff that's generally considered pikey or grotesque <laughs> Um, If you want any of that, I guarantee (laughs) you, we could create some amazing shit for you.
4: Uh, Please, yes, I want that next video, I'll be in touch.
2: Where's the best place for people to, to find you, to keep up to date with all these new things?
4: Well, I'm not great on social media, but we'll, but I'm probably most active on Instagram, so people can find me at, at Amy Fitzdoily, and I'm not making this very easy, but it's like A M Y, F I T Z, D O Y L Y. So people can find me like that, and um, yeah, I'm on I'm on I'm on most social social media platforms. I'm not on TikTok yet, but. If you you think I should be, I'll sign up today.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ah. And and the music's available everywhere. You know, for people listening, it's on Bandcamp um, and Spotify and all the all the streaming places. So, wherever people wish to consume it, it's available wherever people like to go. It's all there, isn't it?
4: Exactly. Thank you. Yeah.
0: And I would just say, as a fledgling fan, we want more Amy. We want more Amy. Definitely. on all of these platforms so yeah we're looking forward to seeing what you're you're coming up with next and um we'll be over oh, to yeah. shanghai pretty much next week right jack to see you uh, yeah, we're there. <laughs> at the shanghai cafe playing uh good. playing the open mic i imagine that's how it works over there yes um, yeah
4: please do well, come over hey you know what would cool.
0: be what would be a good idea and i'm going to pitch this out to you here on the show and if you're interested yes. again me and jack will come and facilitate this Shanghai oh. to London, the Long Road Home Tour, featuring Amy Fitzdoily, Jack from Birdsworth, and me, Fino Sullivan, <laughs> doing something. <laughs> I can drive. I'll do whatever. That sounds like a good idea. How Are you in? <laughs> I, love, I love it.
4: I love how you asked it, and
0: then you're like, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nothing if not a believer in myself. <laughs>
4: to say i'm going to say that bit
0: and you know what i say that sounds like a good idea we Woo. we've got it you got it that will be a hell of a tour <laughs> i'm excited for that yeah. so guys if you're listening the tour's going to go live next month we're going to be <laughs> driving <laughs> we're driving from shanghai to london with amy <laughs> fitz Stoyley. in a bilingo <laughs> in the old berlingo <laughs> And that was our interview there with, with Amy fitz Amy, thank you so much again uh, for coming on. We really appreciate your time and it was so good to chat with you and catch up and hear some of those stories. And if you do want to do the Shanghai to London
2: tour, as we mentioned, we're both up for it. Uh, just hit us up on email. We'll sort it out. Bags are packed and ready to go. And I can't really recommend enough people go and check out her stuff. There's a couple of official releases, but the majority of her is on YouTube. So find loads of her live videos because she's got a very unique sound, um, and you'll get a really good idea of all of that. So Amy Fitzgerald is on YouTube, and you'll find it all there. We were in a band. So let's return to our interview with Dan Ash. You released quite a few EPs, didn't you, with the Lost Boys?
1: Yeah. So we we did. Um... Yeah, we did a couple of EPs. then we did a bunch of singles a runner singles i think um
2: and, and then, then the we did nosebleeds the album
1: yeah and then the album came right at the end which we mm. recorded three times really <laughs> so with with nosebleeds we um we went to one studio first and we cut it and we paid quite a lot of money for it and we weren't happy with it at all and um so we decided to go somewhere else um that we trusted and we knew was going to be really good um so we went there managed to get a good we sort of explained the situation got a really good deal um and we're able to sort of do it again and the second time it, it went really really well then unfortunately the hard drive that all the projects are on uh something happened to it i think it became corrupt or something and and no couldn't access the recordings so <gasps> the second studio we went to um really really nice about it obviously it not their fault at all, yeah. but it really, really kind of like let us come back in again and do, and do it again, obviously free of charge and, and got us sorted out with like beers and pizzas and stuff and just made it made it fun because um, because they knew that we'd already done it two times and probably on the verge of, of killing each other. Um, <laughs> so they they really, they really looked after us and tried to make it
2: as as pleasant as experience as possible when you did it the first time round, was it did you have to wait sort of you recorded it you wait six weeks for somebody to mix it and then you got it or was it instant like um you recorded it that day and in, in the
1: first in the first studio yeah so i sort of had a inkling that it wasn't going to be right from pretty like pretty early on right yeah. and but i in my head i was like there's going to be a magic button that's going to be pressed and it's all going to sound brilliant. Yeah, it's going to make it th- would
0: better again.
1: <laughs> that that button just needs to be pressed, and uh, I, I clung on to that tight for a while because, let's say, we we pretty much put all of our band fund into this, and um, we all clung on to that hope for a long time. And then there was that awkward moment of, this isn't what we want at all. We're going to have to like work out what we do. So we crowdfunded actually that's how we did it. We 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 had to crowdfund to go and do it a second time. Um it was a really nice thing because um we managed to meet our target and there were so many lovely supportive people who yourself included Jack who who um bless you who very kindly pledged and it and it meant a lot that we could actually go and, and do it because like in our heads we were always doing it and then this thing came up and we we couldn't do it and it was the only way. So like yeah we Really appreciate everyone that pledged, um, yourself included, Jack, and um, helping us be able to actually make it again the way we wanted. And then again, again, the way okay. we <laughs> wanted. Yeah. Imagine yeah, that, another, just... <laughs> another Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: guys, clerical error. Uh, we're going to have yeah, yeah. to re-raise <laughs> yeah. all of the money again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's great as well. And also an example of a, a, a Kickstarter or a crowdfund that I've heard of that worked like, so many people made those throughout the years. When it was really popular like at the start, there was people doing it for, like, you know, for raising money for next week's cheese sandwiches that didn't hit their target. <laughs> but that's awesome that you guys actually managed to successfully crowdfund it. Like, what, what an amazing way to raise uh, or to create, to create a
2: record. With, with the Lost Boys, did you ever come across any people that would promise you things... And they just didn't deliver, you know, oh, I'll book you this gig and Bono's going to be there and it's going to be in a 2000 cap <laughs> venue. You know, was there any of those type of characters that you met?
1: Um, there was a moment where I found an email in our inbox in spam, I think probably about a year and a half after it had been sent by McFly's manager, right? And I, <laughs> no
0: way.
1: <laughs> I, I, go- I, I googled the address and it was legit his management address the address that you would contact his management on and so and it sounded legit as well and i remember we discovered it a year and a half or so after it had come in and i remember replying and being so apologetic we never had anything back again but i think <laughs> maybe he was just drunk one night and <laughs> what did email the email say guys. like what was it about like hey we love love your sound it, it was about the mute yeah i think he, i think he was interested in, in talking and um i don't know where that would have would have led but i think he was certainly interested in in, in getting together in in some form and yeah oh man that yeah. was a, yeah we never heard back but um it was his legit address unless it's some sort of clever virus that sends something from someone's official address yeah. but yeah that but that was the oh man why didn't we look in spam yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do have another worst gig story, or like the was it tragic tour story? Was that one of the ones? Yes, yeah, let's go mate. for it. Tragic, do, a
2: tragic tour story from Dan.
1: So, um, I think the most tragic for me was we, we played we played a popular venue in London. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. you can't you can't name <laughs> the
0: venue, no. <laughs>
1: um, I don't want to. No, no. Actually, I won't. If that's all right, <laughs> that's fine. Um, uh, so we put we put on our own show there. We hired it and we promoted it nice and we got support bands in and everything and i remember i didn't want to i tried to not drive to london gigs if i could help it because Mm. i'm sort of a nervous enough driver as it is like i don't need i don't need that and so we were going to catch a train and we'd agreed with the venues the time we'd be playing and finishing so we had that safe window of time to call the taxi get to waterloo have the burger king get the train back yes it's an absolute classic um I remember, because I remember we were doing it, we played our usual one-hour headline set and um, sort of said to the crowd, thanks very much, we've been the Lost Boys. And the sound man, who had a microphone, piped up and said, hang about, you've only played for an hour. These people have all paid to see you. You can't just pay for an hour. What? It was, like, so, like, so embarrassing and, like, unnecessary because our headline sets were only ever an hour anyway. He said it over the PA in the, in the... Oh, in front fuck. of all the crowd, and as much as I, I do, I really appreciate anyone who, who buys a ticket. It was probably only something like a fiver, and like that's quite a, a normal set time for An that hour. price. Yeah, Great. and we'd agree. We agreed with them. That's we need to leave at this time so we can call a cab, get to Waterloo, have a bug, <laughs> catch a yeah. train back. Anyway, so we also had no songs left at this point, and he'd made us look like, like bad people in front of oh, this, no. this crowd. And so I we had no songs left i remember what like i think we were just um like improvising like doing beatles covers and stuff but i remember um that uh, like there was a part of me that came out that night like a switch was flicked and i saw a side of me that i really didn't like in that 15 20 minutes that we played extra um I was just like um, so passive aggressive, right? I think like changing Beatles song lyrics to being about sleeping in train stations and like uh. men being dicks and stuff like that. And I think I think I seem to remember like between the songs being like, "Oh, I've never been taken hostage at a gig before." Like oh. just
0: really like, oh, the vibe. The vibe sounds like it's was, just it's just. I was little. so
1: passive aggressive, and like, I didn't like that side of me at all. It's just. Total psychopath, Dan Ash. Oh
0: my god! <laughs> and did you chat to the sound guy afterwards? Did you say like, "Hey, listen,
1: don't fucking pipe up in my set." No, I, I, I'm not brave enough to do that. I just do it on stage. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> were the crowd, crowd happy like when you said? Yeah, they, they, like, yeah, like they, they,
1: they thing. were sort of on side. Like to be fair, I say like being passive. Grip. but like it was kind of in a jokey way, and like they were sort of like, I, I'd, I'd like to think that I, in, my, in my head, I think they were sort of on our side. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we, we, we got out there. And I was panicking. I was, I thought we were going to be sleeping on, on the train station floor. We just made it. Obviously, we didn't have, we didn't have any food, oh, <laughs> which, oh. which, which I wasn't best pleased about. Yeah. But, um, but we, we made it just, I think, like literally we jumped on the train just as it was pulling away. And he wants us to go for another 10 minutes or so, but I just drew a line under it.
2: Obviously, yeah, Teenage Waitress has been, the album came out in November, was it end of last year, right the end of last year, November. Yeah. Smashing all the reviews. You know, Clash were, were really big on it with an 8 out of 10. Steve Lemack was playing it as well on the radio. Even Robert Carlyle is a fan, Finbar. You know Robert Carlyle?
0: <laughs> oh, shit, really? What was he saying about it?
2: I, he tweeted
1: um, a couple of links to a song and the album and um, has dropped me a few messages. Just, like, really supportive and nice and, like, just... Oh, man, that's awesome.
2: A, a Sort of a message that I never expected well, what's well, what's next then? Once we get out of this uh, this current situation that we're all in, what is what's the plan for Teenage Waitress?
1: So I, I haven't done one gig yet. So I've done a few like live stream things, but I want to do a full band gig in some form or another just to celebrate the album. But the other album might even be out by then, because like I'm sort of working away on on the second one at the moment.
0: What what brought about your the the name of the new outfit, Teenage Waitress? What's behind that?
1: So it's like. The the album is kind the the first album is kind of like other people's stories. So like I had the idea of like this this waitress like eavesdropping and hearing people bits of people's day and stuff. And so like the songs are like conversations between tables and stuff. Essentially,
0: it's been awesome, man. And and I guess as we're coming to the end of it, um, do you want
1: to give your your album a little plug? The album is called Love and Chemicals. It's out on Colorama Records, and uh, the project's called Teenage Waitress. It's out on colored vinyl if you're that way inclined.
0: Oh, yeah. How can smart. people get that coloured vinyl? Where can we get our hands on that?
1: Um, well, like I think Amazon are doing it, or if you prefer uh, businesses that pay their taxes, you can get those. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, rough trade, uh Cargo, Cargo Records, vinilo, Um Yeah, most most online record places should be able to get it in some form or another to you, so awesome yeah. man
0: well it's a great record and anyone listening definitely oh, you, uh definitely hit up dan stuff teenage waitress it's a cracking you, project man. uh we look forward to being able to
2: see you live man when everything opens up a little bit right especially as well that there's been no teenage waitress gigs so we've got yeah. to get down to that debut show
1: if there's three people there then that's fine like, we'll, we'll have a great time
0: hey we'll be two of them so there we go yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but man so thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate uh your time man it's it's no great it's my chat, pleasure
1: yeah. it's a sound like great concept can't wait to hear the other episodes and really like just yeah really happy to have come and been able to do it
0: awesome dan can't thank you enough mate thank you so much for coming on um really really great to talk to you great to catch up and obviously since we recorded um that show i think dan and teenage waitress are actually
2: starting to gig again now because because it's real times again we can go outside again right jack yeah that's it yeah he played his debut show last week in southampton and he's got a couple of dates coming up in and around london so be sure to have a look into those awesome and i guess as we always do at the end you've heard the banana rap
0: you've heard the inception of dan ash's musical career and we're going to leave you with a track from his new outfit teenage waitress Uh, so this track is called high in someone else's time enjoy it Music mm-hmm.
2: special treat this week we have a second song now this is a track from amy fitz and this is something called another available everywhere right now
0: and thanks so much guys again for listening to episode two we appreciate you sticking with us uh, we've got people from all over the world, haven't we, Jack? Tuning yeah. in, people from Russia, Canada, France, the USA, Guildford, uh, Guildford, Ilford, Ipswich, Rotherhithe, Milford. <laughs> They're all tuning in. Um, and listen, we, we do thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. So do stick with us. We've got more episodes to come in the season. Um, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen. We should be now available on all the podcast platforms Um, but we really appreciate you listening um, and we'll catch you on the next one this is amy fitstoyley with another